Well, good afternoon, everybody. Good morning, no matter where you're getting us, whether it's afternoon or morning. This is Dr. David Brock, and I am blessed to be with my co-host, the one and only, the always gorgeous, always ready, always got words of wisdom, Dr. Sharon McDaniel. What's up, cuz? What's up, cuz? How you doing today? I am well. I'm well. This seems a little different to have you not in studio, but on the line with me, but I'm grateful that you're here. Well, I'm glad to be here. I just want to give a, a shout out for you accommodating me as I travel. I um, just wanted to pay respect to a dear friend of mine who passed away. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It's always good. This is the first time in all of our doing these podcasts that you're not sitting across from me. It seems a little different. I'm not seeing the face and the, and the lashes and the makeup and the hair <laughs> and everything else in the in the outfit of the day, you know, the sequence, whatever is happening. So I'm sure it's fabulous wherever you are. But nonetheless, we're grateful that you're here. Well, you know I'm representing. I'm representing. Absolutely. You can't be on the road and embarrass us now. Not embarrass, but embarrass us. Don't be embarrassing us. But I'm grateful for you. This is a special edition that we're doing today, and I'm grateful that we have some great men that are going to be here with us in studio and on the line as well. Grateful for them. I'm excited to hear what they have to share. We know that Father's Day is coming up, so we felt, you know, as the mothers rocked it out for Mother's Day, the Mother's Day podcast, we thought we would top the Mother's Day podcast with the brothers who would come in and share their words of wisdom and their understanding about fatherhood, the way they experienced it, uh, what we did well, I'm going to chime in as well, what we did well, what we wish we could have done better, and just to really dispel some notions and some things that are in our culture and in society as it relates to fathers, especially African-American fathers, but fathers, period. So I'm grateful to have with us uh, Mr. Brace Lowe. The one and only we call him B-Low. Uh, Brace is a, uh, he can introduce himself once we give him the mic, but Brace is here. Brace Lowe is with us and he's going to share with us, but also grateful to have Derek Turner, who is also a father. And we will have George Fleming, who will be joining us on the call, who is also a father. So grateful for you brothers joining us today, allowing Dr. Sharon and I to pick your brains and just have this much needed conversation around fatherhood. So with that, Brace, why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll give Derek an opportunity to introduce himself. Brace, you have the floor. Welcome, sir. Yes, thank you, Dr. Brock. And good afternoon, everyone. Um, thank you for having me. My name is Brace Lowe. I'm the Chief Operating Officer out of Second Chance Incorporated and also the CEO of Lift Empowerment LLC. Um, both organizations um, work in the child welfare juvenile justice space. And so thank you all for giving me the opportunity just to kind of talk about Father's Day, which is extremely important. So we're grateful for having you, definitely. And thank you for taking time to join us and uh, share your experience with our listening audience. So, Derek, we're great to have you in studio. So welcome to uh, What's Up Cuz podcast. How are you, man? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm good. Let me get your mic open. Let's try that again. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, now you sound like you're here with us. You sound like you were in the abyss for a minute there. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome. Why don't you tell us about yourself? All right. Well, first of all, Dr. Brock and Dr. Sharon, thank you so much for having me on. This is really a gift. This is a gift that you invited me to come and spend some time with you all. My name is Derek Turner, and I am uh, the worship pastor at Love Fellowship Church in Pittsburgh. I'm also a school teacher, and I also work in the field of social work here in the city of Pittsburgh. Oh, so we got you social work people all in the line, all this social work going on. So, well, welcome, man. We're grateful to have you with us today. And later we will have George Fleming, who is joining us. He's going to join us. He had some commitments and he's going to join us in studio as we are in progress talking. So grateful again for both you and Brace uh, sharing with us and being here today. And we'll get this conversation started. You know, we were talking a little bit before we went live. We were talking about Mother's Day and Father's Day. And I was sharing with everyone that I read an article and the article actually said that for Mother's Day, around 26 billion, a little over 26 billion with a B dollars were spent on gifts and flowers and and reservations and things for Mother's Day. Uh, what you turn around in that same uh, study said that only nine, nine point seven five. So nine and three quarter billion with a B 
will be spent on Father's Day. And so it seems to perpetuate a notion that is out there that mothers are more important than fathers, that the role of mother is more important than fathers. So I want to kick that question around. How do we, when you hear something like that, uh, what what comes to your mind? Brace, we'll go to you. What do, what do you think when you hear such disparities in the difference in spending and the views that people have concerning fathers and their role as not being as important as a mother in her role. So Brace, why don't you share your thoughts around that? Well, Doc, before Brace goes, let me just say that I'm going, like you did for Mother's Day, I'm going to listen in because I know that Brace and uh, Derek and um, George have much to say, but I'm going to be doing more listening than talking. But let me just offer this as you all start. Fathers are equally as important for the child as anyone. So let me dispel the notion you need a mother and you need a father. So I'll turn it back over to Brace to answer that question. And I'm just going to listen in. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. I, I definitely, you know, it's always my mom would say if she saw this set up with all these guys and she saw you, she said it's always good to have a rose among the thorns. So we're grateful to have you here and to sit in and listen with us. So Brace, we'll go to you. How do you feel when you hear this information that I just shared? What's your thoughts on that? Yes, you know what, certainly, thank you for the question, Dr. Brock, and I certainly agree with Dr. Sharon wholeheartedly, and let me just say right off the top that mothers do hold it down and have been very, very important, so mothers, especially sisters, really have been profound. I had a very strong mother who who was a mother and a type of father figure, but the things that I miss, not having a father in my life, We've got to stop it. Fathers are very, very important. And they're important for a whole lot of reasons in terms of being in the home for simple things, just as something as simple as seeing someone getting up every day and taking it to work, bringing it to work every day, making it happen every day, showing the work ethic, showing the discipline, showing the structure. And so when I hear, when I hear women a lot of times say, I'm the mother and the father. That that is not that is not something that really makes us feel warm as fathers. And you'll hear kind of through the day as I answer the question that I didn't have a father, and then I wasn't. I'm ashamed to admit that I haven't been the best of father. I've tried to be a father, but I haven't been the best of father. But I want to dispel that myth that you don't need a father and try to offer some words of wisdom in terms of things that we need to have in place to encourage our young men to be better fathers. Well, thank you, Brace. I just want to, first of all, acknowledge you for even your willingness to be transparent in this moment uh, going across the airways and nation to let people know that you realize that even as a father, you could have done some things differently. And I think that all of us, if we would be honest, uh, share that same notion. Um, You know, I can admit that and say that same thing, having always done the right thing, always been in the place that I needed to be. And so I thank you for your transparency in this space. Uh, I'm grateful to have George Fleming. He's joined us in studio. George, we know you do a lot of work in the realm of fatherhoods. And so uh, we are grateful to have you uh, in studio with us. So why don't you just take a moment and introduce yourself to our listening audience. We have Dr. Sharon on my co-host of the podcast. She's on as well with us. So why don't you take a moment, introduce yourself, and then I'm going to circle back to this question for you and Derek. Well, first of all, I'm glad to be here, Bishop, and thank you and Dr. Sharon for the invite. My name is George Fleming. I am a native of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I am a fatherhood ambassador. And I've been called to be such by God to ensure that fathers know that you don't have to be perfect, uh, but you can be present. You don't have to be a provider, but you can pray. And so I am honored to be here among the guests and those are in the audience particularly because this is Father's Day, but I think fathers need to know they should be valued every day. So God bless you for having me, Bishop, my long-term friend. Derek, I'm glad to see you as well. Um, And so, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, so so laid back, yeah. So, George, so you just got here, and I, I posed a question we were sharing a moment ago that uh, there was an article that I read that said 26 point something billion, with a B, dollars are spent for Mother's Day, and only 9.7 uh, billion, with a B, are spent for Father's Day, putting out and perpetuating the notion that somehow says that mothers are more important than fathers. Um, Dr. Sharon chimed in right away and said, let me just dispel that, that fathers are important. You need a mother and a father. Brace just spoke to that question. So Derek, when you hear such a thing and when you hear those numbers and when you hear people sometimes say, as Brace said, something that makes me cringe every time I hear it, that I'm mother and father. What do you think when you hear these numbers and, and what do you think about this notion that mothers are more important? I don't agree with the notion that mothers are more important than fathers. I believe that it took two um, to create the life. So it takes two to raise that life and to properly nurture and raise that child to successful adulthood. As far as those numbers are concerned, I don't know if that speaks more to the role of mothers versus fathers or if it just speaks to the emotional needs of women versus the emotional needs of men. I think men are more inclined to make their woman happy <laughs> by any means necessary. And if that means going overboard on buying things, particularly for Mother's Day, that's a day that's, you know, we always obviously celebrate our women on those days. I think that that speaks to more those lines of just men and women in general and I don't know if it necessarily speaks more and more to the roles of mother and father. Although I do agree with Dr. Sharon, mothers and fathers are equally needed and that there's no such thing as, you know, you know, I, I didn't have a dad and I'm great. Right. You know, something if you didn't have a father when you were growing up, you're missing something. Yeah. If you didn't have a mother when you were growing up, because there are single fathers who are raising children. And if you didn't have a mother when you were growing up, you're missing something because the the whole is not there. Okay. Okay. And and, and I, I hear you. And George, why don't you jump in? And when you hear such numbers, when you hear someone try to say, I'm both mother, father, um, my, my, the, the role of father was not necessarily as important as it is for a mother. What, what do you say? What, how does that resonate with you? Uh, it's, <laughs> I have to smile as I am now because I hear that a lot in the work that I do in human services. And I think a couple of things, but number one is um, the, the numbers don't lie from the perspective of what we give homage and honor to. And one of the things that saddens me is fatherhood seems to be dismissed, optional, and in some cases put on the back burner. For those that don't know and know me well, like these gentlemen do, um, I spend every waking day fulfilling the purpose and the mandate that God gave me, and that is to dismiss the lie that fathers are not valuable and needed. And if you were to do the research, and I have, of the 24 million kids that wake up every day without a biological father, the ill effects of that is way past the time in which we have to articulate now. So I am a firm believer as God created man and female, gave them a mandate and provided everything they need via the garden to multiply him and the earth. I do not believe that divine mandate should be forfeited because of what society's norms and trends are leading to. So for the most part, I think it is extremely. Oh, thank you, Bishop for the most part is extremely beneficial for us as a society to rethink how we use the word family. I often say that I hear we are family service centers in human services, yet the majority of the money that is spent in human services goes towards mothers and children. So we have a lot of work to do, and that's why this podcast is so critical, not just because it's Father's Day, but we are doing our children a disservice both systematically and personally by having them to believe that they can fill these gaps from other means in which God has divinely given that space in a child's life for the man that produces a seed. 
I do want to say this. This is critical for me. I often hear the word fatherlessness. We need to quit using that term. Why? Because you cannot have a son, daughter, or a child without a father. It's not humanly and divinely possible. You can have different families' compositions. You can have different family makeups and choices. But if you were to take every male off this planet, there would not be children other than artificially assimilated and such. So fathers are, they're, they're not only important to our existence, they're essential. Well, I would agree with that. Definitely. Uh, thank you all for your thoughts around that. You know, I, I can say this much. I, I believe that I am. I try to be a good father and I, I can tell people and be honest, I did hard time. I went down, I was in jail. And the only reason I was in jail was because I kept my voice as a father. I was in support court. I, you know, wasn't there in the life of my children in terms of being in the home, but I was supporting them. And a judge was talking to me one time and he was talking to me like I was, I mean, it was female, excuse me. She was talking to me really like I didn't matter. And, you know, she was talking. And, and and I looked at her and and I said, who are you talking to? And she said, I'm talking to you. And I said, I don't think so. And make a long story short, she exercised her right to be the judge and have that power. She said, I remand. I was like, remand, who take against my will. OK, hold on. this is not going well. <laughs> and, but I, I did hard time. I went to jail for seven hours. I was in jail for seven hours for not losing my voice or speaking up as a father. And so I think that it is imperative that we are there uh, to speak up on behalf of our children and to be in their lives. And, you know, I joke about that now, but I was kind of angry about it because I, I told her, I told the judge, so you're speaking to me as if I'm a deadbeat. I'm not a deadbeat father. I was there. I was always there. But nonetheless, we have this system that has been somewhat uh, stacked up against the men when they go to court and everything. That system is still there. So as you said, uh, George, there's a lot of work that we have to do. And so I, it brings me to another question, because as you said, we don't have the time that we could give to tackling this subject, but but fathers being so important, I, I wanted to ask you guys um, this question. In what ways uh, do you feel your upbringing influenced your approach to fatherhood, the way that you uh, were fathered or the way that you maybe weren't fathered? How do you think that played into your role as father in your life? So anyone who wants to jump in? I'll start. Yes, Okay, go ahead, Brace. Yeah, I'll, let me uh, just tackle that and, and, and thank you, gentlemen, for, for some of the, the words of wisdom that I just heard um, previously. And as I told you, Dr. Brock, earlier that um, anyone that knows me knows I like to come real and I like to come down the middle. And so I'm going to try to do that right now. And so in terms of my upbringing, um, as I mentioned, I didn't have a father um, in my life. Um, my father, I've met him like once, never seen him, you know, again after that. I can say that I did have other father figure types that was around that did a lot of positive things that helped my involvement and to be able to advance um, through the streets. Um, I just want to say, though, I spent, though, a lot of years and a lot of time um, trying to figure out and understand why my father didn't want to be a part of my life. Um, and as a black man, and especially in those days, and maybe um, a lot of our kids even tell us today that I work with young men that no one seems to want to go to counseling. No one wants to go to therapy. Therapy and counseling was looked at as something uh, as, as being weak to a man in those days if you wanted to seek counseling and therapy and things of that nature. And so never really was able to have therapy. Ended up um, having a very tough mother and resenting her a lot. Um, and so because of her toughness and the way she treated me with, with no empathy and things of that nature, I had a tough time disseminating and differentiating how I should be not only just as a father, but as a man and as a husband and having the proper respect for women. I never saw an orientation in the home where uh, a man and a woman were together raising the family. And now that I look back at it, I have three sons. I wish that I could have done that. I wish I could have had my children by one woman. I wish I could have had 
um, a family all together in rear film in a way where um, I was leading um, the mindset, leading the charge, directing the philosophy, putting my sons in position, putting them through private schools and the better schools. And I did none of that. And thankfully, I ran the streets. I ran around. I loved women. I loved drinking. I loved all of that. And all of that didn't matter to being the father that I should have been. And it was because, you know, regardless if we use the excuse or not that, you know, oh, that's how we were raised. At some point, I knew better and didn't take the opportunity to do better. And so I tried to do that today. Hopefully it's not too late, but it's been a very, very painful journey in terms of growing up that way. And so I try to give back to young men by just instilling in them that, yes, you have to be, uh, try to do your best to be a father, try to put yourself in position, cut out all the stupid mistakes and respect women, respect women better and try to forge families. And so that's, that's my message that I always try to get. Brace. Um, wow. Uh, that was leaning into uh, discomfort and transparency in such a way. Um, I celebrate you in this moment uh, for doing that because we don't know how far reaching this podcast may go and who may hear it. But thank you for just your vulnerability and leaning into this space uh, and sharing your truth with the world. Uh, uh, I celebrate you for that moment. So thank you so much for that. Uh, your words, uh, and I, they resonate with me and um, I could jump in, but I'm going to let my, my, my other uh, guests to get in here on this moment. So, Derek, you were going to say something. Sure. When I think about my own upbringing, my story and I listened to Brother Brace and I appreciate your your candid your your candidness, um, if that's a word. But if I, I appreciate your transparency about your upbringing with and lack of fatherhood, my story is exactly the opposite. And so it's oftentimes hard for me to fathom as a father myself not being there for my children or a child that has a father who willfully is not going, you know, is not doing what they need to do as a father because my father was there. I grew up, my father was there 24, seven, 365 for 39 years, you know, and even at age 39, he was still fathering me at the time that he passed away. And so it's really tough for me to fathom not having a father in my life from that standpoint. How does that affected my own approach towards parenting. I'll never forget, and my, and my father, who was one of the wisest people I know, was a man of few words. And so I remember when my then wife at the time was pregnant with our first child, and I remember having a heart-to-heart -heart with him, and I said, Dad, I'm not sure I'm ready to be a parent. He said, well, you better get ready. <laughs> you know, because this baby's coming one way or the other. He's like, you know, and it, there wasn't a lot, a lot of time left in the pregnancy before the baby was going to be there. But I told him, I said, I said, yeah, dad, I don't think I'm ready. He said, listen here. He said, the only thing that you have to do chief among everything else, he was like, you know, everything else you'll work out. But if you do this, you'll be a successful father. And pardon my French, but he said, give a damn. All you have to do is care enough. If you care enough, you'll be there. If you care enough, you'll go to work and bring your check home. If you care enough, you'll see to it that they get a proper education. You'll see to it that they're well fed, that they're well clothed. All you have to do is care. It starts with that. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to make some mistakes along the way. But if you're there, that's all that matters. And I really took that to heart after my marriage dissolved because then it was a fight. I cared enough to go down to the court and ask the judge the same question. Why are you talking to me as if, you know, you know, my role with my, with my children, what, what my relationship with them has been. You don't, um, I've been there 24, seven, 365. And so then it became a fight that even though my presence is not in the house, my presence is still in their lives. And so 
for me, it was just a matter of caring enough about my children and letting everything else fall into place. But that speaks in, and I appreciate that. And it just speaks and sets in, in light what Bray said. No, no example to world to model it in front of you. No, no, no one to walk it out uh, in front of you. But you had someone that walked it out in front of you. Yes. So we hear your story. George, why don't you share when you think about that? In what ways uh, would you say that your upbringing has influenced your approach to fatherhood? I think it's a great question, first of all. And I thank both of my colleagues and friends for answering as candid as they did. Um, the first thing is I had a great father. I, he was in the home. He was present. And so I'm going to summarize it like this. I learned a lot from my father of what to do. I later on in life learned from my dad what not to do. The fact that my dad was a provider and protector is what I learned. The fact that my dad did not affirm me as God did his son harmed me. And therefore, I could not transfer into my children until I myself developed a personal relationship with God to learn how to compensate for the deficits that I felt coming up and the less than that I felt because my dad came up in a different era, which I now say he's my hero. And so in my dad's era, to hug, touch, and kiss, which I do to all my kids in spite of their gender, my dad, did, my dad didn't know to do, and I don't think he was taught to do. So I took the, bad, the good, the bad, and uh, the indifferent, if you will, and I tried to mix that into my own style of parenting. Uh, I can honestly say, like all of us, I've made a whole lot of mistakes. I mean, I really have. And through my personal choices, uh, through divorce, like uh, Minister Derek referred to, and just through uh, maturing, one of the things that I think is missing from our society, uh, this is big for me, is we're told to honor our mothers and our father. It actually says father and mother. And it comes with a promise that your days will be extended or long. That does not mean we have to be perfect or get honor based on our children's assessment. I want men to be taken off the hook. If you've done the best, you can. And if you have not, then you have the opportunity to enhance your parenting by changing your mind and your approach. But I'm grateful to be a part of this call because this is personal for me because a lot of us carry the weight of pastoring our families without sheep that are grateful. And I'm going to pass that back to the bishop. <laughs> How you yeah, you're throwing it at me as the bishop. But I, I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for your honesty. You know, I was thinking as you all were talking, you know, Derek, you said my dad was there. George, your dad was there. Brace's dad wasn't there. My dad wasn't there, but he was around. I mean, in other words, I knew where he lived. I knew where he was at, you know, but he wasn't influential in my life. And I realized even as I grew up, you know, I shared with you all earlier. I think I was talking with Brace as we were preparing for this. We had a brief moment in conversation and I shared with him, you know, something I realized, I realized I was not, I was 35 years old before I ever heard my father say, I love you. I was almost 40 before I ever heard him say, I'm proud of you. And so when he finally said it to me, I, I, I really, in that moment, when he said, I'm proud of you, I, I, I really couldn't receive it. I, I didn't want to hear it. I couldn't receive it. I was angry with him, you know, because when let, let me just be truthful. When I went to a baseball game with my father, I bought the tickets. I picked him up. I drove him to the stadium. I bought the hot dogs. I bought the coffee. And he was laughing and enjoying the game. And I remember sitting there saying, you know, how dare you? You know, I was angry. I'm sitting beside him at the Pirate Stadium. I'm angry because he is enjoying the game and he's clapping and he's eating hot dogs and coffee and everything else. I'm like, how dare you? Like I invited him and he said he would go. So I had, I felt like, oh, well, he said he wanted to go. So I took him, I took him to the game because he liked baseball. And so I'm thinking, 
he would buy the hot dogs. I'm thinking he would buy. He never said, do you want a hot dog? I'm thinking, man, you've never taken me to the corner store. You've never bought me candy. You've never given me a sucker. You've never. And now you won't even buy me a hot dog. So I'm I'm sitting there seething <laughs> at this game. So so I, I say that to say, George, you know, there is a work that you have to allow healing to come into your life and heal those broken spaces. I'm, I'm grateful that I've had healing that has healed those broken spaces. But I, too, like all of us on this call and we're being transparent we can't get this back well if people are hearing it we can't take it back it is what it is so you know I made mistakes I wasn't there I'm like brace you know women were a commodity they were my thing I I I numbed my pain not through alcohol or drugs but in 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 using women in other places and other things so again I was not a good father you know and then when I believe it or not being the preacher and and the pastor you know I was running around the country preaching and and teaching and 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 my own children were suffering you know and 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 my children made mistakes that they may not have made had I been there so again I'm grateful for a do-over if you will and we all have uh, an opportunity to do better and I loved uh, what Brace said about you know he's hoping to do better and that's all we can do is hope to do better and so we know we have some things and there's some challenging roles and expectations of fathers in today's society uh, you know, fathers, you know, are viewed, as I said, we know, uh, Brace said before we went live, like we have to dispel the notion that fathers are not important. So just beyond us saying fathers are important, uh, uh, Brace, we'll start with you. What would you say to our listening audience to dispel the need for father? Why do we not? Why is it important that fathers are there? Why do we need to dispel this notion that fathers are not important? So we'll start with you and then George will come to you and Derek will come to you. Well, yeah, thank you, Dr. Brock, for sharing your story. And I, and I appreciate the stories of the other gentlemen as well, because, you know, we take from those stories those stories and things like that help us heal even as grown men and even to our younger men. And I just want to say to you, Dr. Brock, uh, I'll buy you a hot dog and a beer. brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hold you up on it. I'll have hot dogs I, on I, you. I, I'm, still, I'm still waiting on my uncle to take me fishing. So if anybody want to take me fishing, I've never been fishing. So, you know, uh, but I got you. I got your hot dog. All right, man. So. I'm going to hold you to that. Now, hopefully I'll get them hot dogs before I get them tacos. I've been waiting for your tacos for about 20 years. <laughs> yes, sir. And so, yes, I just, you know, just want to say that certainly just our having this conversation has been therapeutic. Um, even for me, this type of discussion, I always, people who know me, they all the I tell people, folks all the time that I'm always trying to bring men together, especially black men, to come together and have a better understanding of what the mission is and the purpose in terms of why we're here and to be able to be better fathers. And I think it was uh, Brother Fleming who mentioned something about um, walking in the purpose and spiritually, um, you know, um, having faith. And I think, you know, faith is something that's become lost among a lot of our young people that certainly needs to be restored. And I know, Dr. Brock, I work with you and I work with others to make that first and foremost. But what I would just say is just that this type of collaboration, this type of um, our recognition and understanding of what needs to be done is just a profound start to be able to form a movement. I'm all about forward movement, moving forward, trying to eradicate the pain and the sins of the past. And so I would love to join other brothers, um, even the brothers that we have talking today that's on the panel with me, to be able to move forward to teach young people. I have a whole group full of young guys that come in for incarceration for um, they're in either foster care, they don't have their parents or something has transpired in terms of abuse and neglect that need our wisdom, that need um, our guidance, that need our mentorship. And a lot of times, you know, when I try to put together collaborations with people just to do these types of things, everyone always has their own agenda and they don't have time. And we've got to have time. We 
got to make time. It doesn't, everything doesn't always have to be about money on the table or things of that nature. I was just talking to some guys here that um, I'm in a group with that I'm trying to form something positive for these homeless youth. We've got over 150 homeless youth on the streets. A lot of, most of them men nowhere to live and nowhere to go and, and there are, some of them are fathers, some of them are aspiring to be fathers, some of them want to have family and they have no guidance and they have no direction and so my my challenge, my charge, my purpose is to continue to try to make a way, use my experiences, listen to which the brothers on the phone said in terms of being raised by fathers and insert that as well to then be able to leverage that into something that we can be proud of and try to set a legacy because we are way, way behind in my opinion. It's like the light bulb went off when I was 50 years old. That was, that's way, way too late. And so had I had perhaps better guidance, a father in the home, the importance of just being able to understand how to do things. I had to figure out how to do things through a, a whole bunch of other avenues. Um, wouldn't it be great to have fathers there? Even my sons are reaching out to me now, and I've been more, I've been way more open now than what I was before. Not really sure why I was so angry, because it wasn't their fault. It's not their fault that they're here. That was all on me. But at some point, when you didn't, didn't want anything to do with their mothers, then I kind of projected my feelings about their mothers onto them. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And I had to get rid of that yeah. and, and try and hoping that it's not too late. And so I'm just offering myself to anybody that, that wants to walk with me to make it happen on behalf of young fathers in our community. Wow. Thank you, Brace. Brothers, Brother George? Well, uh, first of all, uh, before I forget, uh, Brace, I would encourage you to look up the Strong Families Commission. Uh, is Brace in Philadelphia? Yeah, he's both Pittsburgh and Philly. Well, yeah. when you're in Philadelphia, look up Strong Family Commission and look up Dr. Sylvester Lynch. Call him and tell him that George Fleming said, you want to be a part of what is in place. And that is a statewide Western Pennsylvania and beyond effort to address father absence in the lives of their children. And I can uh, circle back and talk to you more about that. With that being said, I think for me, the thing that's the most important is that I continue to be a voice for the fathers that may not have one or a voice for myself that says that I am proud of the man I've become I don't regret the man I have been because I would not benefit from the mistakes I made. Um, I can also say that I've watched God do miracles within the confounds of my relationships across the board because of the mistakes I made. And any man listening, I want you to hear this. This is very important. Accountability is the place of repentance which leads to new horizons of possibilities when it comes to you, your purpose, and your family. Your children will stay await or waiting for you until you determine you want to be more aggressive and being a part of their lives. And like Bray said, there are things that hinder us um, and anger us. Uh, I am a father that have raised other men's children and I never forget that one of my sons then, and still is now, met his natural father and started paying homage, if you will, to him. And I personalized it out of my immaturity because I was the one that actually was there and was raising them. So there's a lot of things that we can do to make it better. Collaboration is one. Two, we have to be intentional, particularly when it comes to policies and practices. And then number three, in the space we're in, be the best person we can be. 
Great. Well, before you jump in, uh, Derek, on this question, I know man, this topic is so vast. There's so much that we can say, and we're going to be wrapping this up uh, with our listeners in the next about six minutes. So, Derek, what are your thoughts when you think about that? What would you add to this this moment? There, the notion that fathers are not needed, they're not important, uh, walks very much in line with the idea that men in particular black men have been so marginalized mm. and so minimized culturally socially we've been in, we've been over incarcerated we've been over prosecuted we've been you know held down professionally there've been so many different um avenues that have been used you know in both business, in the legal systems, in the family courts, you know, it seems like every single system that there is, is designed to, you know, hold particularly African-American men in a very marginalized position. And that's bled over into the families. Mm -hmm. And because that's bled over into the families, we now are seeing, you know, families that are saying, well, I don't need I don't need to have a dad. I don't need to have a husband. I don't need to have a man in my life. I can do it on my own. I've, you know, I can be mother and I can be father. Um, and it's funny because I don't see, I know a lot of people from a lot of different racial ethnic backgrounds who the mindset is not that I've never heard an Asian woman say, I don't need a man. I've never heard, <laughs> uh, you know, a Latina say, I don't, you know, I can do this on my own. I don't need, you know, I don't need a man. I don't, you know, my kids don't need a father. I can be the, the mother and the father. It, that's very, very prevalent in our culture. And that's going to come with a shifting of the mind. That's going to come with fathers who are dedicated, who are passionate about training other fathers. We have to grab a generation of fathers and bring them back into the fold. Mm-hmm. Pastor George, you probably know what that looks like better than I do, but I know it needs to happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me let me ask this question. And I'm going to shoot this question. Uh, you know, Brace, you, you spoke about the group of young men coming behind us, behind you and the work that you're doing in spaces to try to change the uh the future for those men. What advice, Brace, would you give to a new or expecting father uh, who is just starting out his parenting journey? What, what advice would you give to that father? Well, I would, you know, the advice that I would give is just one, just, um, you know, no matter what you're going through, forgive yourself and understand that that child needs you no matter what's happened with the mother tries to form, um, be there forming you. And I think um, everyone has said you don't have to be perfect and you don't. Sometimes I think as men, especially in today's society with all the social media and everybody wants all the luxury things and think you got to have everything now, I think it's way more important um, and children may not even understand this for you, just your presence just for you to be there, just so they, they can see and have an understanding of how to bond and how to walk like a man and how to talk like a man. Even if you're still learning, that's nothing to be ashamed of. I also would just say that um, certainly got to be accountable to whatever the sins have been of the past to try to make sure that you um, just be responsible. Just don't be reckless. Try to be as responsible as possible. Try to do things in a way, um, the right way and walk the light in the, in the right way. You know, I, I tell young men that all the time that um, no matter what you've done, you still have an opportunity to right the wrong as you move forward. Because a lot of times when I speak to them, they, they feel like it's hopeless. And I'm here to say, I'm a testimony to it's not hopeless. Um, there's plenty of examples. And I want to thank, you know, Brother Fleming for the referral. I certainly will do that. I don't know if you remember me from um, the yeah, basketball day yeah. um, when you were coaching. And I played against a lot of your great teams. Um, and so that's what I'm saying. Use, these, use your sports. Use 
programming, use anything, try to find anything that you can to trans- transfer that and translate that to your children. And so um, I'm sorry that I had missed that, but that is what I would try to instill in a young person today who wants to, you have to be a father um, to these children, no matter what. You don't have to be perfect. Well, absolutely. That That's great. Listen, I know that there's so much more we could say on this subject. So I'm going to ask you guys as we wrap this up real quick. You got 30 seconds, if not even 30 seconds, about 20 seconds. Looking back on your experience of a father, we, we've all admitted that we never we may have messed up. We may have made a mistake. But looking back on your experience as a father, what is one moment that you will say was a rewarding moment for you? So, Derek, we'll go to you first. The one moment that I would say really, really stands out in recent memory is when I took both of my daughters on vacation last year. And it was the first time I had taken them on vacation. And it was it wasn't like a whole family vacation with their cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody involved. But it was just me and my two girls. And we had a ball the whole time. They still talk about those four days that we spent you know, away from everything, you know, just really, really getting in touch with one another and, and just talking and laughing. And I really realized then I was like, these, these aren't even my babies anymore. They're both teenagers now. And, you know, just the the conversations that we had, the bonding that we did that day, that was one of the most rewarding uh, moments that I've had. And it's really kind of set the stage for even what my life is going to be as I journey down the idea of getting remarried and, you know, expanding our family and, you know, the family is going to be different, but they're on board for that. And I think it's largely because of that time that we got to spend together, just the three of us. Brother George, real quickly, uh, I just experienced this in a way that it's hard for me to articulate. But my son, Christopher, I have four grown kids, two that I said I adopted. You never know that unless I would tell you because I called them all sons. Then I have a daughter uh, as well, who's a mother and uh have made me a grandfather for the 16th time. But I will say that what really has blessed me is Christopher gutted and redid my kitchen. And first of all, I didn't know he had those skill sets. My current wife identified them. Second, I had the opportunity to spend quality time with him in in an area which I just cannot articulate it makes me cry, man. And because this child, I just wanted him to stay alive. I just wanted him not to die. I just wanted him to not to die. And um, he's about to be a father uh, in August. This is my youngest son. And he makes more money than me working at Target, which is not a surprise based on my fact that um, I work in human service. But third, he has a reverence for me and a respect for me in spite of the fact that he knew all the dirt on me when I was not being honorable uh, to his natural mother. And so to see how he has graced me and See how he is in my life, utilizing his giftings, and even me being able to pay him at the rate he asked is nothing but a miracle. And that's why I'm telling you, don't quit. Well, thank you. Brace, share with us something that you found rewarding in your journey as a father. And then we're out of here. Yeah, just quickly, um, like back in 2019, um, was the first time I was able to bring all of my sons together. We had never been all together um, ever as a family, and I can't tell you all how how profound that was and how important it was even to them in terms of being brothers and siblings and um, you know being located in different places to then be able to come together. Um, to be with their father. And so that, that's a time that they never will forget. And I certainly never will forget. And it has, and it has leveraged and propelled the relationships since then. So I just wanted to share that. 
Well, listen, I want to thank you both, all three of you, actually. I want to thank you for leaning in. I want to thank you for sharing your moments, your transparency, your honesty uh, in this moment. We recognize that we still got a lot of work to do. And although she was sitting silent, um, I know she was visiting and taking care of some other things. And that's why she's not in the studio. I was going to say, yeah, I'm going to turn to you. Uh, I was going to say, oh, no, I was was listening as I should have. And I would hope that other women would just button up their mouths and listen. This was so profound. I honor each and every one of you for your just being the stand-up men that you are. I, I am filled. This has just been remarkable. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. As, you. My, as I like to say, you know, Doc, you. Doc and I, we, we started this podcast so that we could get relevant information into our communities and just keep it real. Uh, brothers, I want to thank you for your realness, for your transparency, for your honesty. And I love what you said, uh, Brother George. Don't quit. You know, uh, and so we say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, those who are trying to become better fathers, those that are great fathers, those that are thinking about becoming a father. We say happy Father's Day to all of you. Thank you, brothers, for all that you've done and all you're going to do. And I believe even from this time together, this podcast, there's going to be some great things that come out of this moment. We may never know the seed that is planted as a result of this podcast, but I thank you all for leaning in. I thank you all for being transparent. Parent, I thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your time. I tell people all the time, you can get another car, another house, another another pair of clothes. You can get more money. But what you can't get is more time. Time is invaluable. So thank you for giving time. And as I say each week to my co-host, the one and only, the always gorgeous and always ready, Dr. Sharon, I thank you for being on this podcast with us. And as we leave, we like to say, what's up, cuz? What's up, cuz? We'll see you next time. Everybody stay blessed. Stay blessed.